0: Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. When you talk to a Dell Technologies advisor, you get someone who understands there's an art to listening and can provide small business solutions that make you feel truly heard. For solutions powered by Intel vPro platform, call an advisor today at 877-ASK-DELL. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple
1: Threat Sports, Marishkas in Crest Hill, Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe, rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Illinois, and by Michael Elwood of Remax First Service, serving the Chicagoland area. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau and 670
0: the Scores hockey guy Jay Zawaski. Let's drop the puck. Welcome in, my friends, to this postseason edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago. And with me, as always, is Calgary Flames bandwagon fan extraordinaire. Jay Zawoski of 670 to the score so Jay how's your bandwagon team doing in this year's playoffs
1: they're eliminated like everybody's team basically uh the NHL playoffs not looking great uh I'm
0: just, I'm just saying that uh my bracket may be trash but my bandwagon team decidedly not trash
1: you are a longtime Carolina Hurricanes fan as everyone knows
0: as everyone knows, I am a longtime Caniac of approximately three and a half weeks. I don't know if you know this, Jay. The Carolina Hurricanes and I are tight. We follow each other on Twitter. And oh,
1: that's the ever since
0: that happened, they won the double overtime thriller in Game 7 against the Stanley Cup champion Capitals. And, oh, yeah, they went up 2-0 with two road wins against the New York Islanders. So, thinking uh, i might be a little bit of a good luck charm for those carolina hurricanes
1: well that's all fine and good but did you put your money where your mouth is because i have in my brackets that were filled out before the playoffs began i have the carolina hurricanes in the eastern conference final
0: oh you do do you i do well i did not so
1: (laughs) (laughs) so i think we can both claim a little bit of of hurricanes love
0: you know what? I'll go with that. Yeah, that's, that's fine. fine. I will say one of my Stanley Cup finalists is still alive.
1: Uh, I do not have a Stanley Cup finalist alive. I had Calgary and Nashville uh, in the West. They're obviously both dead. And I had uh, mm-hmm. Calgary and Tampa in the Cup final. And uh, See,
0: I had Tampa in St. Louis, so I still have my Western Conference team. All right.
1: Well, let's hope that doesn't happen
0: yeah see that's the thing like do I want that to happen I don't know like at this point my bracket is such trash why should I like root for that I don't think I should well it's crazy like I always get kind of mad about this because
1: look it's good hockey you should watch it anyway but could the NHL have any more of a nightmare scenario on its hands as far as matchups go like there are (laughs) no teams left except for Boston
0: i was about to say boston they is are basically. rooting
1: so hard for boston to get in and maybe the islanders but like you know the islanders are still the islanders even though they're from new york and the west is just in their eyes horrible
0: well gee, the the islanders can't even like play in the same arena for two series in a row
1: yeah that'd be helpful they
0: freaking played out at nassau and now they're playing in brooklyn and clearly, home ice advantage is definitely a thing for them since they lost both games to the Carolina Hurricanes, as I mentioned earlier.
1: I don't know. It's just um, it's been weird. Like, I don't know if, if I'm like a lot of our listeners where it's hard for me to like really connect with the playoffs when the Hawks aren't in it. And maybe it's that spoiledness of like before the Hawks were good, before the Hawks were winning cups, I was like lo- locked in on the playoffs every year because it was the best hockey I would see all year. Right. But now that the Hawks have been, have been, I know they missed the last two years. We all know that mm-hmm. we've discussed it at length. Um, but um, I just can't get into it as much as I used to anymore. I don't know why. Yes, I don't. Yeah, know if- I don't.
0: I don't agree with you on that. Like I actually last year, yes, I had a really tough time getting into the playoffs. I didn't watch a whole lot of games. Like I'd watch it kind of if it was on. This year, I've been watching a lot more. Like I've and, and not just the Hurricanes. I've been watching. Boston-Toronto, I watched a bunch of those games. I watched Game 2 between Boston and Columbus. I watched uh, some Western Conference games. And I will concede that San Jose and Colorado is not a sexy matchup. Not really doing anything for me hockey-wise. But I have been watching Dallas and St. Louis. I have been watching the Islanders and the hurricanes. And I've been watching, like I said, a little bit of Bruins and Blue Jackets, too. I, I feel this year I definitely have been watching more playoff hockey than last season. And I think it maybe is because I didn't really have the expectation that the Blackhawks were going to be there. So watching the playoffs hasn't really bummed me out the way that it kind of did last year.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. That, that That's fair. Um, I, I don't know. I, I find myself my interest level is can these like Cinderella teams like Carolina or like um, uh, Columbus and to a lesser extent St. Louis, uh, even though we dislike them, they're not a team really anyone had pegged to compete for a Stanley Cup when the season began. Um, to me, that's interesting to see if these teams can get over the hump. And they've all been very impressive and they've all looked very good. And it's, uh, you know, these teams took down the big dogs, these were the guys that were supposed to get pushed around and be first round outs. And they haven't been. And to me, that that's really exciting. The fact that a team like uh, Columbus has a legitimate Stanley Cup chance, right? And mm-hmm. the fact that Carolina, I think, maybe to a little bit lesser extent, but the, look, it wouldn't shock me if Carolina somehow pulled off a Stanley Cup win, right? There's, there's no team left that's really terrifying. And I want to spin this a little bit to the Hawks now because when we wrapped up the season, we did discuss – the pace they were on over the last few months, and I think it was a hundred and six point pace was the pace they were at, like from yep. December until the end of the year, something or January, something like that, until the end of the year. And now that you see how these playoffs have gone, could the Hawks have beaten one of these teams? Could the Hawks have advanced to the second round? That I mean, I, I'm looking around. Do you think the by the by the way the teams were. In early April, do you think the Blues or Stars were that much better than the Blackhawks? No,
0: not really. Nah, the Stars definitely not. I think the Blues, you have a little bit more of an argument, but all it would have taken would have been Corey Crawford getting hot or Patrick Kane having a monster series. That's all it would have taken. Yeah, well, really, that's
1: what it takes in, in most playoff series. But looking at the, I think a lot of us had a feeling all year because of how bad the start was Maybe not the start, but, like, the middle start, I guess you would say. How the restart
0: bad... when Jeremy Colladin came yeah, in. Yeah, the
1: restart was brutal. And I think that, like, put a bad taste in everybody's mouth. And and there were some – look, there were some troublesome things happening all year. We, we talked about it a lot. We all know there was uh, – the defense was a problem. But now looking at these playoff teams, they're all flawed. None of them are perfect. And the teams we did think were great, the Calgarys, the Winnipegs, uh, the the obviously the Lightning Uh, they were mortal and they were beaten and I'm not saying the Hawks could have done it too but I don't think there's as big a gap between these teams now playing in the Western Conference semis and the Blackhawks I think they're close to that level and with a really good draft pick that could contribute next year which we'll get into in a little bit and with a, a good free agent signing here or there they're right back in this thing, man. They're right back in it. Now, that's assuming you don't have a huge drop-off from Taves and a huge drop-off from Kane and that Dylan Strom, you know, all the qualifiers we're mm-hmm. going to do all summer and leading into next year. But on paper today, I would take the Hawks to at least put up a fight in these playoffs, and I think that's what, man, the end of the season, just it just feels like such a bummer. Like, man, you had that one week there where you dropped some games you probably shouldn't have some really close, low-scoring losses where it's like, God, if you had just gotten those couple points, we could we could potentially be in the second round of the playoffs right now. And I know it's yeah. wishful thinking, and I know it's hindsight, but, man, it was not as uh, challenging a Western conference as I think maybe we thought it was.
0: Well, certainly not as challenging as it's been in previous seasons either. I mean, it used to be the West was a gauntlet. Like, you really had yeah. to be playing your best hockey to get through it. It doesn't seem like that's the case anymore, because and especially like you said, because when you look at the teams that are left, like, do you really look at, say, San Jose and just think there's no way the Blackhawks no. could have beaten them? I don't so. look at Vegas that way. Well, uh, the one thing I will say about Vegas, and they're not in the playoffs anymore, so this is maybe kind of a dumb thing to say. They, they have built their roster in a way that's different from everybody else where they just have depth up and down, and it's so difficult to beat them. And kudos to San Jose for doing it, even if they maybe got a little bit of help from the officials in that game seven. Well, just you know what? It. Hey,
1: I'm glad you mentioned <laughs> that because it's been a while, but you yeah. and I have not had the chance to talk about it. Correct. Bad call.
0: The, but, the, but you have to kill that penalty. I'm sorry. You or, cannot give up four power play goals and right. expect me to feel bad for it. Exactly. You. How about make, just give up two or maybe three, but don't give up four
1: in five minutes. I don't care yeah. how bad the call was. There's no excuse for that. And to and sort not of, to
0: mention San Jose lost their best player.
1: Yes. He's bleeding from his heed.
0: Yeah. But, I mean it was crazy you're yeah. right sorry sorry go ahead no you're
1: good i i fully look i i get that um they like to look at the result and call the penalty accordingly and i think there's a time and place for that like look if like the Rafi torres thing like okay he almost killed Marion jose yeah he should probably get a game misconduct but that play was harmless and pavelski just happened to trip over his feet and hit his head Mm hmm. The, the, the impact that it had was not caused by the hit. It was caused by him falling.
0: He also kind of got tangled up with I think it was Max Pacioretty was like trying to come into position. And it just so happened he was in the wrong place at the wrong time for where Joe Pavelski was landing.
1: Right. I think the, I think the Knights have a beef about the call, but seriously, kill kill the penalty. I I think even the Hawks could have killed off.
0: uh... Killed the penalty a little bit. (laughs) Like, Like the fact that they gave up four goals is just ridiculous. And, like, if it had been, like, two goals and they had been up by a goal and they went down because of that, then I think the beef would be even stronger. But, to me, it just is a White Castle slider of beefs. It's just it's not (laughs) – it's barely anything.
1: I love a beef. Beefs are good. By the way, do you know – not a sponsor of ours, but uh, you know Bona Beef – If the Cubs score in the sixth inning, you get a free beef sandwich. What the? uh, No. Yeah, you got to get the app. I
0: have have one of those very close to me in Streeterville where I work. Like, I just had gone there for the first time the other day. This is helpful information. Yeah, dude,
1: you got to get the app. And if they score in the sixth, it seems like they score in the sixth a lot. You get a free seven-inch beef sandwich with the purchase of fries and a drink.
0: That sounds delicious. I
1: think I'm going to take them up on that. That's a PSA. Uh, Let's talk about one of our actual sponsors, uh, Triple Threat Sports. They've been with us from the beginning. Uh, You know they're the place to go to get your NHL jerseys, your football, whatever you need done authentically. But it's also the place to go get your jerseys made for your teams. We had a team ready for this uh, spring softball, a co-rec team for Homewood. We're the only team to sign up. So that's canceled, but we would have gone to Triple Threat Sports for our uniforms. Give them a call, <laughs> 708-478-6090, or email chris at triplethreatsports.com. Triple Threat Sports, if you can wear it, they can make it. So anyway, um, back to my point about the Hawks being able to maybe compete in these playoffs. You mentioned Vegas. I feel like that's the one team that would have just blown them out of the water. Um, just because you mentioned like the way they're built, they're super deep, and while they're not really like star-laden, They're just good all around, and I think that would be a really big challenge for the Hawks. Like I feel like they can match up against one or two really good lines, but when it's four solid lines, they would Mm -hmm. struggle. And I I think the speed that Vegas has too would be a big disadvantage for the Hawks. But St. Louis, Dallas, those teams don't scare me. The teams that scare me were eliminated.
0: If you were (laughs) going to tell, before
1: it started, like no way the Hawks beat Winnipeg, no way the Hawks beat Nashville. Well, look what happened. Two teams the Hawks caliber beat them. And uh, it, I don't know. I'm not like sour graping it or like oh what what could have been or oh they blew it. I, it's just kind of like wow, maybe they're not as far off as we thought.
0: And maybe- just a thought, maybe the Blackhawks should have taken care of business.
1: Uh, there's a thought, yes.
0: They they absolutely had the opportunity, especially that week you were talking about. They played Dallas and Colorado, and what did they do? Did they step up to the challenge? Did they come out with their you know hockey pads on fire and just you know blast away? No, that's not. They safe. laid two gigantic ostrich eggs they looked like crap in those games that if they had won they would have been right there at the end of the season had the opportunity to be that cinderella and instead they got to stay home scrubbing the floor that's all i'm saying man
1: that is a that is a cliche bomb of the flaming pads and the cinderella reference i am very impressed that was uh That you know was what? Really I, just, good.
0: I got irritated thinking about it again. It had been a little while since I thought of the Blackhawks completely uh, going all James DeVoe on the golf course and blowing their opportunity to yeah.
1: shine. Uh, you mentioned the 3 1 loss to Philly, the 4 2 loss to Colorado, the 1 nothing loss to Arizona. Oh, my God. Uh, that game. <sighs> the overtime loss to the Kings.
0: The Kings, the Kings were just a thorn in the Blackhawks side the entire season. What the hell? The Kings sucked. They were awful, and then every time they played the Blackhawks, it was like it was 2012 all over again, and Dwight King was running amok, and Jonathan Quick was stopping everything. What happened with that? That annoyed the crap out of me.
1: Uh, I, I, Do you say like, they overlooked the the competition? They can't. They weren't a playoff team. I They're was not... going to say, it's yeah. not
0: like you're a playoff team. How can you <laughs> overlook
1: anybody? <laughs> you're not that good attitude
0: enough. should not exist.
1: You're not good enough to overlook anyone,
0: Ugh, even God. the
1: L.A. Kings. By the way, I went to L.A uh you know this a couple weeks ago two weekends ago
0: we're happy for you. yeah well
1: there's a story here there's a point to this believe it or not um so spent uh the better part of four days going up and down Pacific Coast Highway uh my friends live in Beverly Hills that's where we stayed but we were going up and down like Santa Barbara and like Venice Beach the entire trip the entire trip I was within a couple hours of Los Angeles how many times did i observe the los angeles kings logo anywhere um i'm gonna recap just in case you weren't paying attention four days up and down the coast within a couple hours of la the entire trip
0: i am going to say the odds are pretty strong that you saw more of other teams logos than the Kings. so i'm going to say you maybe saw one
1: i saw exactly precisely one la king's logo in a store on it i actually saw it on the back of a truck it was a, like the big window on the back of a pickup truck they had a significantly sized la king's crown and that was the only time i was looking for it that is the only time i saw the king's logo anywhere
0: How about any anaheim ducks stuff
1: Nope, not really uh, I saw a San Diego gulls sticker on a car yeah um which is a cool little I like your colors it's like the blue and orange but it's like neon blue and neon orange that looks mm-hmm. good um but yeah one la Kings thing I actually made a point to my buddy like that's the first King's thing I've seen this whole trip he's like that's probably the only thing you'll see
0: so Can I tell you the story of when I went to San Diego it was like right after the chargers had decided they were moving to la Mm -mm. and the only place i saw a chargers logo was at a bar and it was crossed out on an nfl poster (laughs)
1: like literally with like a marker
0: yes (laughs) that was it it was hilarious
1: that's really funny yeah it it was uh i mean not totally surprising but i was just curious like this is a team that's had a lot of success very recently and uh there was just nothing there was no la king stuff anywhere it's just weird i feel like there's just so much to do in California and it's just always so beautiful that sports are just kind of like meh. yeah, they you know, take it or leave it. Dodger Stadium was great. We went and saw Dodgers Brewers. Um, it was awesome. I, I think that was my favorite road stadium I've been to and I I did not expect to like it, but it's like it's delightfully charmingly crappy. you know it's kind of I don't it's not run down, but they make the best of their space. It's an old building. But they do a good job of of maximizing what they get out of the building. Like there's a really nice uh, mm-hmm. Hall of Fame. There's like a ton of Vin Scully memorabilia, which I was super into. And like you think about the history of the jo- of the Dodgers, like Jackie Robinson stuff and the Kirk Gibson home run. And there's there's just so much to see. Fernando Valenzuela, when I was a little kid, he was like really a hot thing. And like there was all sort of stuff from him. They've had such a quite a storied history, so it was cool to be there. But yeah, just like zero L. A. Kings, anything anywhere—it's like they didn't exist. It was weird. Well, that's where the Blackhawks are heading if they don't get their heads out of their butts. I don't think it'll ever be that bad. Do you, I mean, even when the Hawks were bad, there were still like there were still like fifteen thousand diehard Hawks fans, right? And and they would go to every game, or they try to go to every game, and they would t- still talk about them and care about them. And then like the bandwagon kind of ebbs and flows, but I think there is still like a base of fans. I didn't feel that in L. A. at all. Like even when the Hawks were bad, you'd see a logo. Someone would have a hat on or well, a jacket on. That's because it's a or... cool logo, right? But like I don't know, L. A. has got a kind of a cool, like a hip. Um, the color scheme is hip and
0: not not as hip as it used to be back in the early '90s, and like Dr. Dre and those guys were rocking the King stuff. That's true. Yeah, you're right. I don't know. It just was kind of surprising and unsurprising at the same time, if that's possible. You know what, Jay? I just thought of something. Yes. We've been off on a little bit of a uh, tangent here about Los Angeles. Why don't we bring it back to this level, to our level? You tease today on every social media platform that exists. I think you even did it on MySpace that you had a personal announcement to share with our listeners. And I'm going to give you the opportunity and the floor to make that announcement. Jay, go on ahead. All right. Well, I literally did it just on Twitter. Uh for the record, oh, I thought you did it on our Facebook page too. I did not.
1: Um, and there was a lot <laughs> of speculation. My favorite thing, my favorite piece of speculation for my quote major announcement, was that um, we were having a baby. Which is like, why would I hold that announcement for the podcast audience? Like, I love the podcast and I love our podcast podcast audience, but why would I save a pregnancy announcement for people that listen to my hockey podcast? It's true. I'm not gonna do that. So the real story is, I am in the process of writing a book about the Chicago Blackhawks. I got an email uh, last week uh, from Triumph Books. They have published thousands of sports books over the years. They're a Chicago-based company, and I'm be writing a book called The Big 50 and it's a story. it's a book of the 50 men and moments that define the Chicago Blackhawks. So uh, it's the first book I've ever written. I don't truly know where to start. Um, Before we started this podcast, I was on the phone with Steve Rosenblum for about a half hour, and uh, he was a great resource. He gave me a lot of, like, insight and thoughts on how to do it, and I'm super excited about it. I'm also super nervous about it. Uh, I want it to be good. I want it to be great. Um, I'm also, like, afraid, like, how much time is this going to take of my life? Um, But fortunately, I don't have any Hawks playoffs to worry about, so I have some time. Um, but yes, yeah, so I'm going to be writing a book that's going to be published and available at like bookstores and there's going to be book signings and all kind of crazy stuff. So I'm, I don't know. I'm really excited about it. It seems like one of those books, like if you uh, don't know who I am and most people don't, um, but like, oh, I'm at the bookstore and I'm I'm shopping for a gift and I know my you know nephew loves the Blackhawks. This little book will be nice. He'll like this. I feel like that's where most of my sales will come from, but I don't know, man. I'm really excited. I'm really nervous. Um, but I'm just sort of honored to even be asked. It's it's really cool. Something I never thought would happen, and, and it's happening. So that is my major announcement.
0: The only thing I really have to say – actually, I have two things. One is I know you're going to kill the book. I know it's going to be awesome, and I'm really happy that you're getting this opportunity to share your Blackhawk fandom with uh, everybody around, and it is going to be really good, and I cannot wait to read it. I'm very happy for you. The second thing, the more selfish thing, is that maybe, just maybe – I can fulfill my lifelong dream of having my name mentioned in an acknowledgement section of a book.
1: <laughs> that will definitely happen. <laughs> I mean, I've already thought of the acknowledgement section that that will happen. You'll also be in the uh, author's bio. Oh, because how about I, will, that? I will mention the podcast and say, along with his partner James Navo. Um, so your name, will I'm sure, your name will come up several times in a book. I even might get a quote
0: from you. Uh, on, I, hey, I'm totally down with that, and I was going to actually offer my uh, brainstorming services if you needed any help with it. Well, so.
1: This, so this is the advice that Rosenblum gave me is because I said, like, dude, where do I start? Because what I thought was uh, what I was going to do today, and I actually did get a start on it, was, all right, I'm going to write my first essay because it's basically what it is is it's a series of 50 essays right. on people, places, things, or events. So I said, what do I know better than anything, Right. And to me, that's Jeremy Roenick. So I started writing mm. about Jeremy Roenick. And in an hour, I came up with like 600 words. And I'm like, damn, you know, like, I feel like I kind of covered everything I want to cover. Um, And, I, and I'm and i short because they say, like, try to do like 12 to 1,500 words per entry.
0: And You're just starting out, man. I, I no, wouldn't I know. go by that axiom quite yet.
1: Well, so here's what, what Steve said. And, and I hope this isn't boring to people, but the hawks are out of the playoffs and this is exciting for me so deal with it um yeah he he said and i said i'm very much in the blog mindset of brevity like don't use too many quotes don't get into too much detail um and and just sort of spare the 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 lengthiness for the for the brevity of a blog i need to get any opposite mindset to write this book so i'm looking at the boston bruins one they sent me a couple samples to read so i have something to kind of base it off and it's like the prose is so long and flowery that that's like where all the words come in right so for instance I'm describing um the 1996 uh series against the Avalanche where Jeremy Roenick thought he deserved a a penalty shot and I said you know Roenick was pulled down on a breakaway and felt he needed a penalty shot Rosenblum's like "No, no no you say Jeremy Roenick received the pass beautifully at center ice and streaked over the blue line when he was suddenly pulled down by avalanche defenseman Sandus Ozelinch, sweeping the legs from under him as he was pulling to the forehand. You, like He's like, you got to get details and you got to paint the picture. And that was like sort of the light bulb moment for me. Was like, okay, I can go into great depth and describe this. And Steve said that he wrote like 3,000 words or 4,000 words on 17 seconds alone. And he's like, it was easy. You just don't spare any detail. And if the mm-hmm. editor thinks it's too long, then he'll take it out. But yep. um, I don't know. It's just it's just a different mindset. Uh, it's a different way to write, and I'm really excited about it. And I hope that uh, our audience will will buy one. It's not going to be. I think it's going to be like sixteen bucks, and it should be available next fall. So I have to submit my outline slash like table of contents by July first. And then I have to um, submit the first draft by the first week in November, so it's soon. Like that doesn't. Yeah, you're gonna have a lot
0: of writing to do, buddy.
1: Yeah, man, it's a lot, and I'm a little bit intimidated about it. And it's not a ton of time, but um, I feel like if I get this outline out of the way, that will help a lot. And I'm gonna try to arrange some interviews with people. Uh, I have to get someone to write the forward. I got a couple people in mind for that, but like if I can sit down with, I don't know, like Troy Murray. Or if I can make a phone call and, and have Dale talent on the phone for a half hour, just to talk about like different people and different times, like that dude's been through everything. He's, he's seen everyone play. He's a perfect resource. So if I can arrange those things, I think it, I'll, I'll be in really good shape. But anyway, I'm really excited about it. Obviously when it comes out, we'll, we'll, promote the hell out of it and it will annoy everybody. But if everyone buys one, I can stop promoting it. That's all. So, um, anyway, thank you for letting me have that time. I'm really excited about it, but, um, at the same time, very nervous, and I know it's going to be a huge, daunting project. And I just know myself, and I'm just terrified I'm going to put it off until the end and, and screw myself. So I just want to do it as well as I can. So if I can get two or three of these done a week, I feel like I'll be in pretty good shape.
0: I would certainly agree with that. And you do you know, Jay, what would end up helping you fuel your brain and fuel your writing skills would Marijuana? be a trip to a place I just went to. I just went to Marishka's and I just had the Yodel Burger, and it was delightful in every conceivable way. And before we take our first time out, we will come back and talk more Blackhawks, less book promo, we promise. (laughs) Before we do that, however, I'm going to give the floor back to Jay because I know he shares my affinity and my love for Marishka's, and he's going to want to tell you all about it.
1: Well, I want to hear about your Yodel Burger.
0: To, oh, describe okay, it. Describe can do that. In, not in a blog version, in a in a chapter book version. <laughs> uh, give me the description of the Yodel Burger. Well, first of all, if our listeners have never been to Mariska, it is basically heaven on earth. Yes. You walk into this beautiful building; it's like you're walking into. I'm not going to say a time capsule because I don't want you to think it's like old and dusty. Not at all. But it's classy. You know, like it. It feels like you're at a nice family restaurant. You're going to sit down, have a good meal, have a few drinks, have some laughs with your friends. It just immediately puts you into that mindset and immediately puts you into a headspace where you're going to have a really good time. And then you look at the menu. It is stocked full of delicious food. There's everything from Icelandic cod, which Jay talks about all the time, to the world famous poor boys, which are just dripping In this incredible garlic butter that they will literally give you if you don't get bread on your sandwich. One of my friends that was with me did not get bread on her sandwich. They gave her a cup of the garlic butter, and it was just like heaven in a plastic chalice. It was (laughs) wonderful. And then as I perused the menu, I ended up happening upon this weirdly named dish. It was called the Yodel Burger, and I was like, okay, I'm curious as to what is on this. Let me tell you what is on it. First, you take a piece of French bread and you cut it in half. You douse that in garlic butter. Then you put melted Swiss cheese on top of a hamburger patty that is the shape of the bread. So it's like eight inches long, a couple inches wide. Just this big hulking piece of delicious beef. And then you take your first bite and the juice from the meat and the garlic butter just kind of runs down your chin and it is heaven on a piece of french bread my friend let me tell you marishka's does it correctly you wash that all down with a cold beer and you just you feel like you honestly have experienced nirvana on earth wow. marishka's rules that
1: was 2 minutes of food porn courtesy of uh, james novel if you'd like to go to marishka's and experience this for yourself 604 theater street in crest hill they are family owned and operated since 1933. Uh, Joe Zedrolovich runs the place. That was a double ad. So add adds a couple cents to my invoice for that one, pal. That was ridiculous. <laughs> uh, but go visit our friends at Murray's because they are a longtime sponsor. They're closed only on Christmas, Easter, the 4th of July, and Thanksgiving. So you got some time to get out there. All right. Time for our first and only time out of this episode. We'll be right back with a whole lot more red hot conversation on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Look in your home, look in your office.
0: Well, I hate to break it to you, but Geico got it from Shakespeare. Geico.
1: 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Welcome back to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We are brought to you by our friends at Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Illinois. We talk about their mythological level craft ales all the time, but we want to tell you about a special event they're having on Friday, May 17th, from 4 p.m. to midnight. It is the Feast of the Goat Queen, the bottle release party of their Horace uh imperial ipa uh it is a 15 percent abv imperial ipa so you're gonna be drunk at this thing live outdoor music live goats i'm in what uh food trucks and art exposition tons of stuff going on it's gonna be a festival at Rabbit brewing that is the feast of the goat queen friday may 17th from 4 p.m to noon out there at Rabbit brewing in homewood illinois join us james and i will be a part of it In some way, maybe doing a live podcast, maybe just hanging out, but we haven't worked out the uh, details yet. But we will be there for most or all of it. Uh, But come out, hang out, catch some great music, drink some great beer, hang out with us. And that is coinciding, by the way, that is the day before Dark Lord Day at Three Floyds, which is about 20 minutes away from Rabbit. So if you're headed out to the South Burbs for Dark Lord Day on Saturday, make a trip of it, come hang out uh, at Rabbit on Friday. It's going to be a great time. Uh, Just a great craft beer community out in the South Burbs. You've got Rabbit. You've got 390. You've got Vice in Homewood. Uh, It's just a great place to drink. So come on out to the South Burbs. Celebrate with us at the Feast of the Goat Queen at Rabbit Brewing and join us in Homewood for their event. It's going to be an awesome time. So why don't we, uh, because it's getting closer every every day, uh, let's talk about the draft a little bit. Hawks, as everyone knows, I think by this point, have the number three overall pick And the closer to this thing gets, James, the more convinced I am that Bowen Byram is the right pick. The defenseman, uh, I I just really think, you know, I know they have a glut of defensemen. I know they've got Henry Yokoharu and Adam Boquist and Nicholas Bodan and Ian Mitchell and all these potential NHL defensemen. What they do not have is a potential number one NHL defenseman. Even if Henry Yokoharu... Um, maxes out to what we think his realistic potential is he's probably a, a a good two or a really good number three I think you could probably say the same for Boquist I think Bodan is going to be like an offensive specialist only Bowen Byram is going to be from all reports from all scouts he's going to be a legit number one defenseman that's able to put the puck in the net, that's able to move the puck and able to defend. He's going to be a two-way stud defenseman and is NHL ready probably next season. To me, it just makes so much sense to make Bowen Byram the pick of three.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of in that same boat you are. And I know a lot of people have been making the argument that the Blackhawks are already, they already have such a glut that they need to go best player available. And for some, and it seems like most people have that best player available as a forward right now. And I'm not knocking doc or cousins or Turcotte or anybody that's going to be kind of picked in that area. But at the same time, if you have the opportunity to scoop up an NHL ready defenseman, you're going to have cost control over him. He's going to be cheap. He'll be able to learn under some really good veterans that the Blackhawks have I just I feel like it's the perfect confluence of events that it seems to me that the Blackhawks are in a really advantageous position to grab a defenseman like that. And like you said, he has the potential to be a two way star in this league and a potential number one defenseman. You rarely get an opportunity to add those types of players. They are very infrequent. And we all know that Jack Hughes should be the number one pick in this draft. And we all know uh, how the number two picks can end up going, uh, is, it's Capo, right? Capo like Capo, yep. Yeah, I keep forgetting how to like say his name properly, so my apologies. That one, too, is pretty much as locked in stone as you're going to get, and the draft really begins with the Blackhawks at number three. And I just – I look at this – This is not an opportunity you can afford to let get away. I think the emergence of Dylan Strome and the continued development of Alex DeBrinkett and the fact that the Blackhawks have proven that they can get guys in here and get them to score goals. I mean, they were eighth in the league in scoring last season. Not saying they're going to be that again, but I still think they're going to be top 10 or 11 team regardless on the offensive side. If that happens again, You need to get your defense bolstered, and I think the surest fire way to do that is to go out in the draft and to go grab Bowen Byram at number three and just ride it, man. It's going to be, I think, a really smart move. If they end up doing that, and I am totally in the same boat as you, I've really talked myself into that.
1: Well, just to go the other way, and and when we had our uh, podcast with the guys live from the five hole, the Facts from Uncle Dale crew – fifth feather and uh, Matt McClure and Sam Fels, Uh I, I think it was um, McClure that brought up the need to develop a second line center and the Hawks have not ha- really had a true one in a long time. And that someone like Dylan cousins or Alex Turcott could be that guy. Uh, and the benefit to me for that is if that's the case, you do have the luxury of Dylan Strom being here while Taves is still here. And you could develop cousins or Turcotte or whoever as your third, third line center. And then when they're ready to become a number one center when Taves is starting to phase out and when he's you know become more of a, a limited time player, he'll be ready to take that number one spot. I get that. I like that. But I think you need to maximize what you have now with Patrick Kane still playing at every MVP level. Jonathan Taves coming off a career year. You've got Alex Debrinkett scoring 40 goals. Uh, you've got Dylan Storm who's almost a point per game player. You're about to add Henry Yokoharu. Who everyone thinks is going to be a really, really good defenseman. Um, and now if you can add Byram, you have just upgraded your defense without really playing a game because you've added those two guys. So I think your team your team right now is better than, than they were this year. Because you've got a more mature Yokoharu and and hopefully Bowen Byram at three. And and if, if if the reports are true that he's an NHL ready, they're gonna give him a shot. They're not afraid to hold guys back. I also think Kallaton will be Willing, if he shows that he's capable of playing at the NHL level, that he'll get to stay here. Now, I know naysayers will say, well, what about Yokoharu? I think it's a little bit different of a situation because um, Yokoharu does not project as highly as Byram um, and never has and never will and would never have been a third overall pick. Um, Byram's a different guy. It's a different level. It's a different sort of skill. It's a different kind of preparedness. He also doesn't have the overseas adjustment to make that you had to make, too. So, to me, that's the pick. And, I, you know, I'm not going to be mad if they go Cousins or Turcotte or, you know, unless Stan Bowman does one of his crazy, like, I'm going to pick a guy you never heard of at three. Which you, know,
0: you do not do that at number three in the draft. I hope
1: I not. You never know. You don't do
0: it. You You take the best that's not one of those top two, and then if one of those top two for some idiotic reason fall to you, then you rethink it.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, you have a plan that if if Kako were Hughes somehow fall to three, you take either of them immediately. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I, I It sounds like you're with me. I think Byram is to pick here.
0: The one question I do have is you're going into a season where ostensibly, if you believe what you've read and heard from Stan Bowman, this is pretty much put up or shut up time with the restructuring that they've done. Do you worry about the learning curve for an NHL defenseman of that age, do you worry about that interfering with that mission, and do you then let that influence you to go with a safer pick and to go with an NHL-ready forward at the number three spot? I don't know. Uh, of the list, though, like,
1: I don't know if any of those guys are ready yet. I think Jack Hughes is ready. I think Kako is ready, but there's no indication that Dylan Cousins or, or Turcotte or anybody – is going to be ready next year. I I don't think that's the case. I think all those guys have some time left before they're in the NHL. So all things being equal, maybe you say, like, okay, well, I I feel like one of these centers can come in and play right away and contribute. If that was the case, fine. Like, if it is Jack Hughes, fine. Bring him in because it's easier to train a forward than a defenseman. But I think even Bowen Byram, putting him in as the player he is now, yeah, there's going to be a learning curve, but he's got the natural ability – to overcome a lot of the things he'll you know a lot of the mental mistakes he'll make he can overcome them physically and i think you still if you have him as your 3 or 4 learning on the job then in two or 3 years when he's ready to be your number 1 he's learning on the nhl level and that's 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 the best thing as long as he's not floundering
0: i i certainly don't disagree with that and i think that like you said it's just the fact that i think mean, he he is an upgrade at the nhl level even before that learning curve and even before the missteps and all of that even with that happening he's still an upgrade over who you have right now there's just there's no other way to say it like i'm not i'm not trying to like badmouth eric gustafson or gustav forsling or anybody like that but i i'll tell you right now he step Bowen Byram steps out on that ice he's a better player than they are uh, That's just the way it is.
1: Yeah, it certainly feels that way. This uh, draft conversation brought to you by Michael Elwood of Remax First Service, 708-675-1600. He is our star real estate broker. Use Michael Elwood to buy your home, your condo, whatever I did. Found our dream home here in Homewood, and Michael will help you do the same. 708-675-1600. Michael Elwood with Remax First Service. So, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, I will say this. If they do end up taking cousins or... Turcotte or one of those guys. I'm not going to be mad. I'm going to understand it. I get it. I see it. Fine. I just think, you know, based on, and look, Sam Bowman knows more about these prospects than I ever will. Um, they've been scouting them since before you and I have probably ever heard of them. So, um, you know, I, I trust they know what they're doing, but I just don't want to see him do one of his Stan Bowman reaches again. Cause like you said at three, that's just irresponsible. You know, there's a reason these guys are top three, top five prospects. And to veer too far off that list to me is a big mistake.
0: Definitely agree. And I think this is just it's a picky key. You cannot overthink this pick. Like if you do that, you're running the risk of disaster. You have to go with the common sense pick excuse me. The common sense pick here, I think.
1: Yeah, I agree. By the way, let's if it's not Byram, are you still leaning towards Kirby Doc? Is that guy is that the guy you've got your eye on? Is that the guy you've <sighs> identified?
0: I still I keep going back and forth between Doc and Cousins, and I know that you've mentioned that you talked to Sean White after the uh, Blackhawks jumped up in the lottery and got that number three pick, and it did not seem that Sean was a big Kirby Dot guy. I still am. I still really like the game that he brings. I like the style he plays with, the size and physicality that it looks like he'd be able to use. I know I know that our scout friend has tried to disabuse me of this notion. I can't let it go, though, no. man. I, re- I really do like the way that he plays.
1: You're not the only one. I've seen his name mentioned on a lot of these lists. You are not out of touch. It's not like you're just... Pulling a name out of your butt and picking them, uh, for I really like Alex Turcott. The the numbers he put up, uh, when returning from his injury are are mind boggling. Uh, I think he's a, a unique offensive talent. Um, and I I don't know. I again, you and I are not experts on these guys, but just based on the research we've done since the pick was sort of landed, um, I find myself if it's not going to be Byram, I like Turcott, But again, I think. I think of of the centers we're mentioning, it feels like Cousins is probably the safest where mm-hmm. someone like Turcotte or Doc might have a higher ceiling.
0: I can definitely see that. I can definitely uh, get behind that argument. And as we have mentioned before, Alex Turcott is a local kid. Oh, Played with the that Chicago matters. Mission, was born in, uh, I believe it was Beach Park, Illinois. Sure. So, yeah, he is a local kid.
1: Wow, that's fascinating. I, you know how much I get excited about local kids. Here's the kid I want. I want put the puck in net, kid. <laughs> I, I don't care where, if he's from. I'm St. just Louis- saying.
0: Stan Bowman has made it a point at uh, times to draft local kids. Okay, fine. Just saying.
1: Just pick the best player i don't I, I couldn't care i don't less.
0: disagree with you man i'm just saying if there is a tie he's not gonna flip a coin he's gonna go with the local you kid know what? if there's it, a tie it will happen
1: if there's a tie i want him to take the not local kid because i just don't want to hear about it every time he touches the puck. <laughs> there's a chicago native uh alex shortcut he's got the puck. he grew up a hawks fan i don't give a crap patrick Kane grew up a sabers fan jonathan taves grew up a jets fan they're both very good and have won a lot of things here it doesn't matter I don't care that Scott Darling's from Lamont. I don't <laughs> care. I don't
0: give a fart. I'm you
1: sorry. know what,
0: Jay? I'm gonna I'm gonna do you a favor, buddy. What? You know what I'm gonna do? What? We're gonna talk just briefly. Ooh, brief. We're gonna hit on this. Okay. We're gonna hit on two things before we get to the email of the show. All right. Thing number one, I want to talk about the Chicago Wolves. Not for, not very in depth because I don't know how many of their games you have watched, but. Congratulations to the Chicago Wolves. They have made the second round of the Calder Cup playoffs with a series comeback victory over the Grand Rapids Griffins, who had a 2-1 series lead and the Wolves won the final two games to get out of that series. And that is playing without the AHL's most valuable player who has been out due to injury. So kudos to the Chicago Wolves. (laughs) Oh, look at that. That's just, that's quality radio podcasting (laughs) entertainment right there. The other thing that I wanted to bring up in addition to the Chicago Wolves and their awesome play is the Hockey World Championships, which will be coming up here, I believe, in a couple of weeks. And I think they're playing, I don't know, in some European country. I don't know where the heck this thing is at. But... Several. Bl- God
1: that was it. for some European country. Everyone <laughs> loves some European country. By the way,
0: I want to apologize to Daniel Carr, the NH- the AHL Les Cunningham Award winner, as MVP for totally mind farting and forgetting his name. All right. So okay. I am going now to talk about the Hockey World Championships, which will be taking place, as we said, in some European country that I don't remember <laughs> the name of. Sounds great. Several Blackhawks players <laughs> will be heading overseas, including Patrick Kane, who is the captain of Team USA. He will be joined by Alex DeBrincat. Team Canada will have none other than Dylan Strome on its roster. And Dominic Cahoon will also be playing in this tournament. So, Jay... A question for you, my good man. Yes. How many IIHF World Championship games will you be watching?
1: Well, the one major regret I have about cutting the cord is that I no longer receive NHL Network, so the answer to that question is probably 0.
0: I understand, Jay. <laughs> I, <laughs> I wish I could. Really Yeah, and I I will say there are streaming options available for those of you who cut the cord, cheap ass. And no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Do not come after me, cord cutters. I am joking. So anyway. Well,
1: what are the streaming options? Share them with the listening audience. So if someone's in my boat and they'd rather save uh, $150 a month and miss a couple world championship games, so be it. What are the options for people like me?
0: Jay, I don't think I'm allowed to describe them because I'm not sure how legal they are. You're talking about the interwebs. Yeah, it's the internets. I see. Okay. So what would be
1: smart is if people were subscribers to um, the NHL.TV package like I am, if we could watch those games. That would make a hell of a lot of sense, but probably not. Mm.
0: Yeah, I, I think you can like... There's, like, different ways you can, like, listen to, I think, like, radio calls or something. It's weird. But anyway, I'm not planning on following it particularly religiously either unless we have, like, a huge influx of, like, listener demand for such things. Then maybe I'll reconsider. But I just wanted to mention that those guys will all be playing in the World Championships if our listeners are interested in watching them play hockey for not the Blackhawks.
1: That sounds really great. What, uh, what country is that in again?
0: I believe it is in. I, I'm gonna say it, and I don't think it's right. I think it's in Finland.
1: Sounds great. I love Finland. You know that.
0: I, I definitely know you love Finland. How's Table uh, Taravainen doing in the playoffs? Shut up.
1: Are you ready for the email? Of the show.
0: I have figured out the country that it is being played <laughs> in. It is not Finland. No. <laughs> I was. I just bought a ticket. Uh, okay. Do you want to know what country it is? Slovenia. You are extremely close.
1: Slovakia.
0: That is correct.
1: <laughs> All right, let's do and, the email of the show. Way,
0: Great Britain and Italy are playing in this tournament. <laughs> oh,
1: throughout the record books, when Great Britain they and Italy qualified get together.
0: for this tournament, as did Latvia. Woo! Here's, All a, right. here's a
1: legitimate question. This is a legit question. No mockery and no air horn will be blown. Does Uh, the Italian hockey team also wear blue?
0: Ooh, that's an excellent question. It's
1: something that I really like about Italian sports teams.
0: They do. Their road uniform is blue. I wonder why.
1: I've always wondered why Italian national teams wear blue uniforms. They look great yeah but uh i don't know uh, I don't honestly a... i have
0: no idea why dutch teams wear orange the flag of the netherlands is red white and blue yeah exactly yeah see we well, have australia questions wears, we do uh, answers
1: australia wears green and yellow yep these idiots everyone should wear red white and
0: blue you know what i mean everybody all
1: right let's do the email of the show before we lose our whole audience
0: before we get accused of being xenophobes yes
1: yes good good call
0: Email the guys at madhousepod at gmail.com or follow them on Twitter at madhousepod. The
1: email of the show, as always, is brought to you by our friends at Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit Chuck'sCafe.com today. Go get their Mexican food, go get their barbecue go get their American fare. That's my favorite kind of food, American fare. I just think it sounds funny. Um, and, uh, everything there is fantastic. The Cajun as well. I didn't mention the Cajun. You got to get that. You got to go get that. Um, but go visit our friends at Chuck's chuckscafe.com. Check out their daily specials. That's where you'll find the really, really great stuff. When Chuck just gets an idea, he's like, you know what? I'm going to make this today. And it's always awesome. So make sure you check out their specials. When you go, chuckscafe.com they got a million beers you'll like it you'll be happy go there take a friend tell a friend and when you get there tell them we sent you all right email of the show comes from bill bass in rockford illinois
0: hello bill <laughs> bill bass
1: i don't know why that's funny
0: i don't know i'm surprised you didn't call him Biblass.
1: it would be bilb ass
0: oh uh, sorry that's no, how you, you play don't want to do game. that no i don't want your name game does not work with him
1: he could be william b ass
0: he's never going to listen to the show again probably not
1: uh he says uh, you've spoken at length about the negative impact of Brent Seabrook's contract especially as his performance continues to decline year after year at the same time I continue to hear how much of an asset he is to the team in terms of his guidance and leadership with all that in mind would it be a crazy idea to approach him about moving into a coaching defensive coordinator player development type of role would that be legal assuming all parties agree to the terms I realize that would probably mean that he'd be retiring as a player, so the Hawks would be subject to the recapture penalty. But it seems like that may be worth considering, given the benefits of opening up his roster spot and cap space.
0: I believe Brent Seabrook is not subject to the cap recapture. By the way, I wanted to throw that out yes, there before you started. So. That's correct.
1: That is he is not he is not eligible is not the word, but they will not be penalized to recapture if he retires. So that is not an issue. With Brent Seabrook I do think that in his future uh, Brent Seabrook will be a coach and knowing the way the Blackhawks work probably a coach for the Blackhawks maybe not a head coach but he will have a role in the organization when he's done Um, I I pointed out to you when I went to a handful of games this year I I made sure I isolated on Brent Seabrook and and I've said this before and I think it's what Bill was was referencing Um, he is the clear leader on the ice he knows where everyone is supposed to be. He knows where he's supposed to be. Sometimes he just can't get there anymore, Um, but he knows where he's supposed to be and where everybody else is supposed to be. He is an excellent tactical hockey mind. He is also the vocal leader of the team. Um, So, yeah, I think that that is definitely in his future. I don't think it's his near future, but I think when he does decide to call it a career, whenever that may be, that's something he will step into right away, and I think he'll be really, really good at it.
0: I would totally agree with you on that front. I think that Brent Seabrook, his future is behind an NHL bench as a coach. I just I don't see a scenario right now where he's going to walk away from the millions upon millions of dollars that he is still owed by the Blackhawks. And frankly, I don't blame him. Like, I I wouldn't want to walk away from that. If I still felt like I could play at least like at a fifth or sixth defenseman level, if I wasn't out there just embarrassing myself. And he is doing that. You bet your you bet your butt I'm going to make that money and Whoa. he deserves it. He, earned it. he earned it with his, you know, play here and I mean you gave it to him, so why not take it?
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh it, it's going to hurt them for a while, but um look, he he he's getting what he's paid and, and it would be foolish of him to walk away from it. But I think you're right. I think he do, he is the sort of guy that if he truly feels he can't play anymore, he will walk away. But he's a 4 or 5 or 6 right now and yeah you're not paying him to be that um but he he still has value on the ice uh as a player and as a leader so um I don't know I think the getting rid of Brent Seabrook thing to me it sort of lost some steam because of the potential of drafting Byram so you could theoretically have a number one or two defenseman in an entry-level contract and that changes a lot of things so instead of having to go out and pay six or seven million dollars to have someone help run Seabrook and Duncan Keith. Instead, you bring this kid in on the cheap, and he's giving you number one type play. Um, we will talk about free agency as it gets closer. We spent a lot of time talking specifically about Eric Carlson in our podcast with uh, Sam Fels and the boys, and that's been on my mind a lot since then, um, and we'll get into it a lot. But I think um, right now, just the potential for bringing in that number one with Byram Uh, with a third pick kind of puts a pause on the need to move Seabrook out right away.
0: Definitely agree with that. And I mean, it still obviously kind of limits you a little bit in terms of what you can do in free agency. You're not going to be able to go out and get a number two center and another top tier defenseman. But again, the benefit of that is having the third overall pick is that you can potentially address one of those issues. So the cap issue isn't that big of a deal. So I, I don't. Also, don't think it's going to limit them necessarily in re-signing Alex to Brinkit, Do you?
1: No, I don't think so. I don't think so. And that, see, that's another benefit of this high pick is you're bringing in a really talented player, and you're saving some money you intended to spend. I, I just look. There are some contracts that can move out. We've been talking about trading uh, Artem Isimov now for seemingly three or four years. Um, I think. I here. Here's the deal. I think whatever the Hawks pick in the draft should tell you about their free agency plans so mm-hmm. if they don't sign byram i wouldn't be shocked to see him going after carlson
0: i definitely agree with that and that it, that that's a very good point
1: point. And like, and like sam said you know they'll know they probably know now if eric carlson would be interested in signing here right they probably had some preliminary conversations with his agents and say ah, oh, you know is this a team that would be on his short list If the money was competitive and blah, 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 I'm sure the Hawks know that already and Mm -hmm. are prepared one way or the other. So, I don't know. I think this pick will say a lot. So, if they don't take Byram, I wouldn't freak out until you see their free agency plan either because they might just have that big contract in mind for Eric Carlson. But there's a lot of summer to come. Drafts got to get here first and we will be here. Uh, every week with you guys talking about it leading up to it but uh with that we're going to wrap things up for this episode so thank you for listening thanks for uh hearing me out as i discuss my book and thanks for being there for me mentally uh when i start to break down when the book's almost due and i want to uh, because <laughs> I, i'm going to be freaking out but um, i'm really excited about it but thank you for uh uh you know th- just listening to me uh, sort of talk it out there it's something i'm really excited about and really proud to be asked about, and I just hope I do it justice. Anyway, wanna thank our sponsors, Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris, 708-478-6090. Mariska's in Crest Hill, family owned and operated since 1933. Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe, with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com. Rabbit Brewing, the time has come for you to drink mythological level craft ales. Visit the Southland legend Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Illinois. And of course, our star real estate broker, Michael Elwood with Remax First Service, 708 675 1600. Thanks for listening. For my partner, James Naveau, I am Jay Zawoski. This has been the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters, the more your network matters.